0: to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian C Wood, and with me this evening is my good friend and co-host, Chad Metz. Welcome to my favorite couple of hours of the week where I get to sit with my good friend Chad Metz and talk about movies. Um, so Chad, Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox is going to be a very busy actor in the foreseeable future. But did you know that it's possible that John Bramenthal will also be a very, very busy actor in the near future. Your thoughts, sir, on Ahsoka herself blurting out a secret that no one asked for.
1: <laughs> so yeah, uh I literally like five minutes ago watched the actual video of her saying it. Uh but I saw the tweet earlier from somebody and, and oh, it was Kevin Feige as a sniper. And they said, uh, when he hears this Rosario Dawson news, I'm like, what did she say? And then I found out that uh, she let the cat out the bag that Punisher is coming to, they're redoing the Punisher uh, for MCU. and And it's going to be John Bernthal. And she was excited from the video I just watched. She was excited because that was the only Netflix show that she wasn't a part of. And she likes John Bernthal. So she wants to be able to like, you know, close that circle for herself.
0: Um, that was uh, she was Night Nurse, correct in the uh, Netflix MCU.
1: Yeah, she's like an uh, amalgamation of Night Nurse and uh, somebody else, but yeah, more or less Night Nurse. So yeah, and it, so in the video, she's saying, you know, I haven't, I haven't heard this announcement yet, but I just found out yesterday that they're going to do, uh, they're going to uh, reboot the Punisher, and I'm like, man, whoever Baggy finds out told her that. They're the ones getting in trouble. I mean, she might get she hasn't been indoctrinated into the true MCU. She was with Netflix. So I'm sure once they bring her in, because if they're redoing all these shows, she's coming back, I'm sure. Uh, they'll be like, So you can't do these kind of things. But whoever told her, whoever told her that, uh, they're gonna get the tongue lashing instead of instead of her. But yeah, that was not news I expected to see today. Uh I thought it was always a chance that we get Punisher, Um, and if and since we're going the way we are with Daredevil, I figured it would be Berenthal again. But this kind of this kind of confirmation, not something I planned to find out on the Sunday.
0: It was just interesting to me because, like, we how do I say this? Like the Netflix shows overall, outside of um, Iron Fist. <laughs> and defenders um were very well received um and those characters luke cage uh jessica jones uh punisher and uh daredevil have all received very dedicated fan bases from that from that iteration um and so feige taking it on and incorporating it in and folding it in I think is uh, an interesting move Uh, because these are like an 18 episode daredevil show when none of your other shows are more than like eight episodes long. Like that's, that's a huge commitment right there that you have a story of that size that you want to tell. And not only that you have a story of that size you want to tell, but that these guys, this core, this, this core daredevil group of, uh, Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio, is going to be in multiple projects before we get to the 18-episode story. It is just, it's really, really interesting. And uh you know, it all starts with a small cameo in No Way Home, and has just ballooned up and grown. And it's, it's just a surprise. But if they were gonna, you're right. If they were gonna do it, it makes all the sense in the world to bring, uh, bring him back, and to do it do it right the question is how do you do punisher in a pg-13 model um that is a disney appropriate because <laughs> because his version of the character just like charlie cox's version of the character was a little bit a little bit more violent <laughs> than what you would typically want for the mcu yeah
1: i still haven't watched the uh the punisher show but everything i know about it it seemed uh it seemed more violent than Daredevil, um, but, you know, I, I haven't seen it yet. I guess I'm going to watch it now since it's going to officially be part of the fold. But, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see how they're taking these shows because the, the Netflix people, people that got involved because of Netflix, they like the the more adult, the more uh, graphic and violent tone. But this is going to be on Disney+. Plus. And even though they are allowing things like Deadpool to be on there, I can't see them putting that little Disney Plus logo with a little snap on it on a show where they're going to take some guy and bust his face through the window and then grind it into the semen afterwards.
0: Well, I mean, they, they are reaping the benefits of a Predator movie that they didn't pay for or green So
1: Yeah, but that's, uh, that's on Hulu. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like the whole uh, Touchstone thing. If everything, if it ever got a little bit too edgy for Disney to officially put a stamp on it, slap that touchstone pictures thing on it, send it out to the world. This is removing that little, that thin little veil of, of Disneyness. If you, if, if it's going to be an actual Disney Plus production and be that violent, I imagine there is going to be some level of violence because, for God's sakes, he is the punisher, he does kill people. But I don't know. I
0: think we'll find that find that happy medium between the 2006 version and the 2018 version, and, <laughs> and and we'll find you know we'll find that happy medium. Just like I I fully expect that the Daredevil that we get in she in She Hulk in a couple of weeks is going to be different than the She Hulk than the uh, the Daredevil we saw at the end of his Netflix show, and different from the you know he 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 was not daredevil in far from home. He was just, he was just uh Matt Murdoch. Yeah. So this will be our first time seeing him as daredevil since the series. So we'll, I think we'll have a better idea of how they're going to reinterpret these Netflix characters after we see daredevil. Right. Although we know that they reinterpreted uh, um Kingpin very well. So.
1: Yeah. that I, I mean, Kingpin is kind of a, you can't kind of look to that, but really, what we're going to see from Daredevil is going to like show us probably show us the roadmap to what they're going to do.
0: I mean, it'll be a funnier version. Like he he's going to do his comedy bit, but it's still, it's he's going to have an action beat or two in that series. So it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. Right. Cause we, cause in all honesty, Chad, we don't really know a ton about She Hulk. We know that there is a villain in place. We know that she's defending the abomination. We know that Wong's gonna show up and we know that Hulk that Bruce Banner's gonna train her as to how to be a Hulk. But other than that, we don't really have a whole lot of like timeline details. We don't have a lot of like, you know, villain behind the villain kind of details or how it's gonna impact the MCU going forward. Um, we just know that there's a, a She Hulk legal comedy coming.
1: Yeah, the and that's, you know, that's all right. We're going to we're going to see soon enough uh, over the next nine weeks, uh, whenever it starts uh, these 30 minute sessions. See what what's going to be what. But uh, yeah, it's kind of nice that I have no clue what's going on with any of this stuff right now. It's just see what they lay out and go from there.
0: Indeed. Um. So so Chad. Um. Warner Brothers is on fire right now. Uh, It's burning to the ground and the fire department can't put out the fire quick enough. Um, Typically, you win your opening press conference. It's very, 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 very hard to lose your opening press conference. Short of like getting the name of the team that just hired you wrong. It's very hard. To lose an introductory press conference. However, our good friends at Warner Brothers, who are apparently apparently using the same public relations firm LSU did under Joe Oliva, um, is currently being kicked over and over and over again with self inflicted wounds. Your thoughts, sir, on the conference investor call that was supposed to fix everything and make everything better?
1: So, I think that's that's the first like deviating point. When we when we think of these things, we think of it at, in terms of a press conference. But Warner Brothers has always done this as uh as a investor call. So it's it's for the the investor But you don't the necessarily
0: do public facing slideshow presentations for your for your investor calls. It's generally your head and your your CEO and your CFO talking on a conference call about the financial numbers from the previous quarter and laying out what the expectations are for the next quarter that's coming and then taking questions from the investors. It's not, here's a 15-point PowerPoint slide presentation that you can show see on our Zoom call about our direction as a company.
1: Well, I think... Uh, I know, you know that that infamous in- investor call years back when they released the whole um, DC slate. That's exactly what it was. It was a phone call. Uh, people listening to this on the phone. Uh, I know that you know Apple has their investor calls and stuff, but they do it, you know, with video and all this showmanship and stuff. And I think uh, maybe in this age of Zoom, that this is a thing that more people are doing. So. I I think that's exactly what happened. It it was their investor call, but they did it like via Zoom with all of the. We can actually give you visuals and all this other stuff, which would go into the fact that why they had such stupid visuals for a few things that we'll more than surely get into. But it's still an investor call, it's still for all the, the people with, you know, vested money interest in it. And because one because they did do it with video and and had all these visuals and two because they are Warner um one, the like the last legacy studio and all the rumors leading up to the investor call it had a whole bunch of eyes on it so they get they they get more attention especially right now after a merger like the first quarter of this new company that has all these interests that people have it has a lot more eyeballs than a normal investor call for somebody else
0: well that the the reason that it has a whole lot of more eyeballs especially from the entertainment world was like there have been regime changes there there wasn't this kind of when at&t bought time warner There wasn't these kind of eyes on on the first investor call. There were these eyeballs because they leaked out that they were canning stuff and taking stuff off of HBO Max. If that story doesn't break in the trades on Monday or Tuesday of of the week of the investor call, people aren't cluing themselves in to make sure that they're listening and seeing what's going on in that investor call. And it should change the way you approach the investor call when you know that you are in the middle of a public relations storm because of the leak. So, or because of the decision to, to, to you know, not release these, these films. So, I, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it without the leak of the information, That they were canning Batwoman and Scoob, the Scoobs, uh, the information coming out over the course of Tuesday and Wednesday that they were pulling stuff off of HBO Max. You don't get the pressure point buildup to this investor call. There aren't the stakes on this investor call um, that there ended up being.
1: Right, right. And (sighs) that is. The Warner Brothers story is that no matter what the regime change, no matter what the plan is, one thing is constant, they're going to have leaks and yes that that specific leak about canning those movies brought a whole lot more attention. I, I think it still would have had a lot of attention because a lot of people wanted to see um what Warner was going to do. I mean, even before those leaks happened, I knew that they had an investor call coming up this week. And I knew that they were going to announce stuff. And that was before those rumors happened. And I don't even look for investor calls. I don't I don't care. I just want to know what's coming out from those things. Uh, so it put them in a bad spot. And, and you made a good point. Knowing that this happened maybe changes the way you approach the call. But as we – and this is the second time in a row. So it seems to be how they tend to deal with things. Uh, like for Comic Con, there was the, the the rumor about Henry Cavill. Instead of squashing it and moving on, they just let it fester, and then dealt with the repercussions after Cavill was never going to show up. So with this investor call, same thing. They get the they they get this leak. It's not a rumor. It's something that's going to happen. And instead of adjusting how you like going over your whole presentation, and you know you're going to take you're going to take heat for decisions you're making, but you can, there's still unforced errors. Like that slide of pros and cons, like, well, not it's supposed to be pros of HBO max and discovery. Plus just the, yeah, the, I,
0: I, I wanted to, uh, I yeah, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you about that Chad, because how do you not have somebody review your slides for like, just basic common sense like I know this is an investor call and you don't expect things to get screen grabbed but if you're on the internet with a bunch of people somebody's going to screen grab some shit and the two slides that they, they screen grabbed that came out neither one were beneficial to you and the word of mouth coming out of said investor call was not beneficial to you if anything it was worse Uh, Everybody that we follow, every media outlet, every every trade, every entertainment reporter, it was like a funeral dirge of like, (laughs) can we now, we're, we're now going to bury Warner Brothers. It was nice why it lasted. Like that kind of like language was being used afterward. How do you put out those, like those two slides, the slides of these are our most important brands and the slide of. Discovery Plus is for women. Duh. Warner Brothers, oh, uh, HBO Max is for dudes. One's scripted, one's unscripted, and all the rest of it. How do you let those two slides go in a presentation where you're already under heat?
1: So my thing with the slides is like my biggest thing, my biggest worry with the whole structure of Warner Brothers right now, um, and that is... You know, while all this is coming out and people are like, before the investor call, but uh, after the the news of them cutting those movies came out, you know, people are looking for things for Warner about Warner Brothers. And the thing that one of the things that struck me was somebody looked and got like um, this article of Zaslov talking about filling out his his staff or whatever, something close to that. And he was like, I want to get the best people and diversity is not really an issue for me. And then they show you there's a list of all the people, and it's like 12 people, and they're all like white dudes. Oh, so to answer your question, how, how do you not run a slide by somebody? It's got to be one of those people that did it. And who are they going to run it by? They're going to run it by the person across the hall that looks just like them. And they don't see an issue with it because it's not an issue for them. They don't understand. They're in the same bubble. They don't understand anything outside of their bubble. So I'm sure when the slide got out and they started seeing how much heat they were getting for it on on Twitter, the people that put it out were like probably their first reaction is probably why is everyone busting our balls for this? This says nothing. And really and truly, if you take the first line off, because the first line says gear towards men on HBO Max, geared towards women on, on this discovery plus something to that effect if you take those off nobody probably says anything about this slide they might say it's stupid but they're not gonna they're not drilling down on it like this because it is completely it's it's uh misogynistic and just completely completely blind for them to to not know that that would be a problem but that is what happens when a power structure is all one type of person. There is no diversity with no diversity. I thought you get things like this and that is my biggest problem with Warner. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of problems, but top down, that's my biggest problem is how can, how, how do we think uh, diverse voices are going to get fostered in the creative process, whatever creative process they have at Warner brothers. If the people top down, don't understand diversity at all and the top guy has said diversity is not he's, he's not factoring diversity into his thinking and part of the problems he's got is because diversity isn't factored in half of the half of the problems can all be tied into diversity at some point of form or fashion so that is a big issue a really humongous issue for me
0: well when you when you add in uh and uh Grant's gonna have a real fun time with that audio uh, because you sped up like George Jetson there for a few minutes. But um, like, if you think about it in in, in the, these terms, like I, I saw that tweet that you were talking about about the list of of his lieutenants mm. and white guy, white guy, white guy. But that was just the when I saw it on Twitter, it was just opposed with the female-led or African-American-led content that was being removed from HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, and the correlation then gets made of, we don't think this content is good, and we are this, it kind of makes you seem racist. And slightly sexist. Right. Um, Because the way that that slide reads to me is, for the last few years, we have been involved in making programming for the middle-aged soccer mom who sits at home and watches my 600-pound life and 90-day fiancé and all of that. And now we would like to get into the action brogue business. <laughs> like, that's essentially how that slide read to me. And it, it just it didn't... You just pulled a movie... With a Afro-Latino lead and with, you know, different filmmakers and a different cast and like you pulled a bunch of female driven content off your streaming service and the confluence of all those events just make you seem really, really douchey. I don't think that that was really the intent or the way that they wanted to come off, certainly in the investor call. But like, that's the way they came off to the point where people are making jokes on Twitter about wives moving their uh, HBO Max subscriptions into their husband's names so that they don't get ridiculed. <laughs>
1: it's so goddamn dumb.
0: <sighs> but yeah, that. Why, why even break down the two entities that way? Because there's there's plenty of non-scripted content on HBO Max. There are documentaries. There are other things. Um, you know, why even break it down that way? That it just doesn't doesn't make sense to me.
1: <clears throat> well, again, you got to remember it's an investor call, so they're trying to sound all businessy and, and you know financial, like giving these great. These benefits to our product in sharp, short bullet points. And somebody thought it was a good idea to just list those out, which the things they listed out, as you pointed out, in Max is a plethora of things. I don't know if it's on Discovery Plus, but uh, they probably have some other things that are not geared specifically toward women or whatever. But somebody thought this was a good idea to get these quick points up. And it, I mean, it's probably like somebody's assistant. They're like, we need some quick hitting points to just put up on this PowerPoint. Boom, boom, boom. They do. They, their boss looks over it. Okay, cool. They send it to their boss. Cool. And and that line is probably all white dudes. And they were like, everything's cool. And they put it up there. And it mean, it's a bunch of nonsense. It doesn't really mean anything. It was just to have this brief talking point to say, highlight, our ser- both of our services do different things. And we're going to put them together. I think that's ultimately what it is. But
0: yeah, it, that that was ultimately what they were trying to say was like we're going to mer- like here are the best of both worlds. But you saw me say on Twitter that like I believe like when I, we, I was promoting last week's episode, I was saying that I feel like I hit the nail on the head with the HBO Max stuff. What I meant was I felt coming out of the investor call, and I and I feel like everybody else did too. They don't give a shit about HBO Max. It's not important to them, like creating content for it, keeping it up like they look at it as a place to house friends and other things that they, to, Chad, we were at the point where literally every person who had a project tied to HBO Max was being asked about the status, the current status of that project. Because no one knew whether or not anything was going to actually get greenlit or financed for that service anymore, coming out of that conference call, and that 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 will reaffirm to me along with the polling of the content, it, yeah. they they announced this weekend that the forty five day window has gone away, so we will know they're no longer going to do the the it, they'll be back on they'll be on HBO Max to forty five days. Disney is still holding to that for the most part uh sony is holding that to the most part but like new warners is like we don't want to hold to that anymore well part of the the whole reason for doing that the whole justification for doing that was to draw freaking eyeballs to hbo max to give people a reason to subscribe because they could get the latest movies within a reasonable time frame on that service you know and if you cut the you're cutting down on the original content that you're making you're completely overhauling the kind of programming you're offering on your streaming platform overall. You're letting certain rights lapse. You're taking stuff off. Like while you're also merging it with the streaming home of my 600 pound life and 90 day fiance. Um, it just kind of sends the message that you don't really care about what currently exists. You want to kind of be your thing and you're not really as engaged or as worried about it as you are about, I don't know, the Joker too.
1: Okay. So I want to put a pin in the 45 day thing. Cause I want to come back to that. Um, as far as I didn't come out feeling that they don't care about HBO max. I came out thinking that, um, that we have a, a financial dude that's counting all the pennies and sees how many pennies he doesn't have and he's trying to scrape up whatever he can whichever way he can and i think they saw cutting out a lot of the original content on hbo from not hbo not hbo but the max original so things made specifically for hbo max i think the movies they thought they thought that you know if we're going to make movies forget uh these max originals let's go straight to the theater Let's cut out some. We're gonna cut out some of the uh, Max original stuff. And what's frustrating to me about that part is that there seems to be no rhyme or reason to what they're cutting out from the Max original stuff. Uh, As far as I know, they they did not say they were canceling a bunch of shows. Um, They have from just from the days that have gone by, we've seen them like not officially green light, but say productions happening on certain HBO max uh, max originals, like that, uh, the penguin show is still going and it's going to start shooting in February,
0: but they had to ask people had to legitimately ask the question. Are y'all still doing this? Whereas like under any other regime, under any other change, it would have just been like, yeah, that's still a thing that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And see, and from that point, it, from that point, It is chaotic, and for people that appreciate the quality and quantity of stuff that HBO, the Max Originals, were doing, that is a problem. And I'm I'm right there with everybody on that. But like going into the call, people uh, like the big rumor right before, like the day before, was they were going to gut the staff from HBO Max. They were going to cut like so. It was a I've seen amount of numbers, and basically what everybody was saying was. They're going to go HBO Max. They're going to em- fold that everything in HBO Max into Discovery+. Plus. And, you know, people that like HBO Max, which is most people that have it, were all upset about it. From the call itself, they did not say that. It sounds like it, they will merge into one. It will be next summer. They haven't finalized a whole bunch of things. So that could just be... You know, it could end up being that way. I don't think it will. I think it will be more of a um, keep the HBO Max, keep the things from HBO Max that people like, and then throw this crap on in it too. And hopefully, they just put it in the hub, and I don't ever have to worry about ever clicking on that hub. And everything else is fine. But that's where we're. That's officially where we're at. But uh, you know, when the streaming stuff, the streaming wars, as they say started, it was like all the they were all the studios that had the streamers were telling all the creators to come to us. We're gonna make all this stuff. We're gonna pay. We're gonna do everything you want because we're trying to get all make all this streaming content. And that call, Warner Brothers is saying, Nope, we're not doing it anymore. We're gonna reverse course. We're not they 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 are strategically not focusing on HBO Max like the previous regime did uh they think theatric they see value in theatrical they still see value in h b o so uh it sounds like the things that we really like from max originals they're gonna fold it over into h b o and that may be that that just could be like accounting kind of things um uh, like nothing will physically change for us. Maybe like hacks that I like to watch on as a max original will be on HBO and HBO Max now instead of just on HBO Max. We still aren't completely sure about that, but it it seems like they're not completely stupid in cutting off all their toes, but they did cut off a bunch. And a bunch like a bunch of what they're doing, even though it wasn't the doomsday scenario I thought it would be, it's still going to affect people. And cause people to, it should cause people to be have a little more hesitancy when dealing with uh, Warner Brothers, and that's going to be their. I think that's going to be their biggest problem in the short term. Is how do they manage what they're trying to do with the people they need to work with, and do they recognize that that is a problem? Because again, with the that that org chart, they might not recognize that as the problem. They might still. They might just be thinking of it strictly as numbers and not thinking about people. And you need to factor in people. People are important in everything you do. And if you don't factor them in, it will bite you in the ass. And now it's a kind of time will tell thing on that part.
0: And that leads perfectly into a conversation about another word usage that was used on the call that caught a lot of people's attention which was the use of the term content creators, um, not filmmakers, not artists, not uh, collaborators, artistic collaborators, <laughs> content creators, uh, to refer to people like Christopher Nolan as content creators is slightly offensive to those dudes. Um, and when you combine the usage of those kind of terms, which to me, indicates what you're how you're thinking about the medium um when you combine that with them canceling certain projects outright never letting them see the light of day um as our good friend jen vaven has said on twitter how can you ever how can any creative trust a single word that comes out of any hbm executive's mouth or any warner's executive mouth
1: Yep that that's the the people problem I was talking about. Um,
0: yeah, because the- like Logan Paul is a content creator. Any YouTuber is a content creator. That's different from filmmaking, because you're you're not creating content. You're creating art, and you're paying for art. That's the whole thing. You don't think that you think that they wrote Todd Phillips a check for part two for Joker two and were like. We need some content for October 2025, 2024. Do you really think that's what they did? Because, like, I can't see that being the case. Like, it, it's a film, it, it's an art form. That man, especially as pretentious as that film is, believes that every single frame of it is art. And so that goes directly against and flies completely in the face of the idea of film as content. <laughs>
1: so. You know, we can referring to things as content has become more popular in the last few years. The content as it was used is a strictly like business thing. I think the words may have changed, but the the people running studios, um, especially probably like the last 20 years, while they may not have said the word content. They thought of the things that they were making as, you know, this is the movie's resources. And that's what that's what content means. It's like the resources we make to to fill out uh, our services. It's just so them using it in the investor call again. Not a surprise to me because it is such a business minded word, uh, business minded thought. But again, because they aren't like forward thinking and probably aren't thinking of the people outside of their sphere listening to this, and I don't know why, because they should, some of those people have dealt with creators and, you know, it. you have to have a bit of an ego to make things, particularly at that kind of level. And for you to be called a content creator when you've worked your life to be a director, no matter what kind of movies you direct, you're directing, you're making this form of art. It could be high art, it could be um you know popcorn features or whatever, but that is your job. You're making this art. Uh and, and you are a director. That's a title that you've earned. So yeah, and, and, and to be lumped in with people like uh you mentioned Logan Paul, because that's what people know him as a content creator. So And to those people that are working to make these movies, it has to feel like, you know, a bit of a slap in the face, a bit of devaluing what you do, even if the people at the top that made this is that's not that was not their intent. They've always viewed all these things the same way. It doesn't matter. You don't that you don't understand that these people think of themselves like this and what you're saying makes makes it seem like something else. And you can't do that because, again, you have to work with these people. So, again, it 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 all comes back to me to, to making not understanding people and the people that you're going to work with, the people that you're going to need.
0: So let's talk about that other slide that got passed around the Internet after the investor call. The list of very important brands. Um, talk about that list of very important brands, Chad, and, and some things that were uh shall we say not listed or omitted from that list that should be important
1: oh so the first thing i'll say that was omitted and it's something i didn't think about because you know if you listen to us for any point in time i'm a coward i don't deal with scary stuff and it has a list of franchises and uh like harry potter was up there i forget every, i forget all of them that were listed in franchises but the conjuring wasn't up there and the, I got this tweet from uh, William Bibiani and it was a retweet from somebody else. I can't remember who, but The Conjuring is a horror franchise and The Conjuring is also one of the most profitable franchises for that studio because it doesn't cost a lot of money to make, but it makes a lot of money. So when you're talking about, if you're talking about things in that business sense, in that asset sense, um, then how do you miss out on the most profitable franchise in your, in your studio's history? So to, to go on that, it, it broke out. Um, like the first line broke out, like their, their valuable properties. And I know it had Looney tunes at the end and I think it had had DC on there. Um, Oh, it broke out It broke them out into branches, like their own, like separate studios, more or less. So, I think it just had traditional Warner Brothers. It had DC separately. I know it had uh, Looney Tunes on there. CNN, uh, Discovery, of course. That's their brands that they had. Then they had their, uh, I want to say, franchises. And it had DC and Harry Potter and all those. And there was another one that broke out which like valuable properties. And this one individually broke out Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Then it was like Harry Potter again and all these other things. So it had like these different lists of things that they found valuable that they, that they own. And I mean, it was, it was fine. It it kind of showed what they value. Okay. So
0: I got it pulled up here. The slide is, is entitled global powerhouse. Um, The brands are HBO, Discovery, CNN, HGTV, uh, Cartoon Network, DC, and Looney Tunes. The franchises listed are Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Shark Week, Game of Thrones, 90 Day Fiance Universe, and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. The iconic series and characters, Friends, Friends, Fixer Upper uh uh the big bang theory property brothers drive-ins diners and dives and sex in the city international tvn eurosport discovery kids DMAX, uh d, d- max <laughs> and ivy and uh and something else but that's uh that that's the slide the other slide that is making the rounds that is uh, that we were talking about earlier. Uh, first bullet point, male skew, second bullet point, scripted, third bullet point, lean in, uh, fourth bullet point, appointment viewing, fifth unit, uh, bullet point, home of fandoms, discovery plus first bullet point, female skew, second bullet point, unscripted. Uh, third bullet point lean back fourth bullet point comfort viewing fifth bullet point home of quote-unquote gender doms what the hell do even mean so in in the course of one slide you say that hbo max is designed for males it's the home of scripted talent it's scripted content it is designed with the intent of having programming that you have to lean into in uh, know the words that stuff you have to, you know, think about and process. Um, everything on the sh- streaming service is appointment viewing, um, and it is the home of the fanboys or the fandoms. And another, in the second half of that slide, you say that Discovery Plus is all about female skewing to, to the females, is all about unscripted content. It is about leaning back and turning your brain off and not having to think about and just enjoy 90-Day Fiance. You don't make an appointment to go and view it. You don't have to go and view it. You view it as a comfort when you're sad and lonely and eating your popcorn and your bonbons after your boyfriend dumps you for the seventh time. You uh, turn on 90-Day Fiance or my 600-pound wife for comfort. And then the home of gender domes. So basically... The females have their little thing over here
1: okay, so the second list is even dumber when you read everything out there it makes like you can tell there were no women involved because that second list just makes them sound like they don't they don't want anything that makes them think they just want to sit there and be women and emotional and watch things that will make them emotional, and that's it and the men are over there doing all the the stories with the thinking and all that stuff. Yeah, they're there are some freaking morons. Freaking morons. But anyway, so it but to the first list, uh the honestly the most interesting the, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the the fact that they had DC separate, they had DC as like his own thing, and then listing um uh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, specifically just those three as valuable or iconic, uh, whatever the hell they they said it was very interesting that they recognize that in those and maybe, and you know, it opens itself up to do they not think of it for other things in the franchise? Like why not just lump them all into DC? Why just single those out uh, with the way everything else is, going it makes you think that okay so they want to get successful franchises with all three of those and clearly right now they do not they have it with one and a half so what does that mean for the the half and the, the solid one which is Superman of the rest but yeah it but by doing that yes it omits a whole lot of things that they do do and makes them feel less than sort of so again it's another thing this is all business investor stuff so you can point and say the dudes with the money like these are the things that's going to bring you more money but when you have all these eyes on you it's like oh so they don't value this they don't value this again some more unforced errors
0: i mean you listed shark week as a franchise, bro you listed as a franchise and listed it as one of your most valuable and important franchises, right up there with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, like that's pretty yeah. pathetic, but I mean
0: it's it, it's crazy. Like, and I know that you can always use the, the cover, and you can always use the the um you can always use the cover of well, it's an investor call, so like they're trying to talk to a very specific audience, but for a large publicly traded company like Warner media it has a wide swath of investors who are on this call. It's not just corporate suits who own thirty thousand shares. It's you know smaller folks too and in this case also you knew that there were journalists listening and watching the presentation, some of whom I have no doubt you personally invited on the call, like you know that this stuff is being. This stuff is going to be reported out. This isn't just going to be like a one blurb line on a dirt sheet, like whenever WWE does their investor call. Man, like this is going to be a detailed media report, and you do this stuff. This is this just doesn't, doesn't look right, especially in the middle of a PR war.
1: Well, and this I don't also think-
0: re- and this also reeks of priorities. Like, what are your priorities? Well, our priorities are getting more eyeballs on our stuff. Like, Discovery Plus did not have nearly as many subscribers as HBO Max. You fold the two in together. Now we get more eyeballs on our product. And also, um, you know, like, financial feasibility is very important to this administration.
1: It It is. It very much is. Um, and I understand that because it took on this... This new company took on a lot of debt as part of the merger. Uh, some I've seen like thirty billion dollars in debt. So I understand that you know he's trying to get everything in a row, but it's again. I and granted, I know that a lot of this is taking place on Twitter on social media, where we're just tearing into them. But you know, Twitter is only a fraction of the population. Most people that are not on Twitter, and a lot of things, Twitter is not real life. So while they might be getting skewered on Twitter, everywhere else is either oblivious
0: or. But the thing is, Jed, they weren't well received on the business pages either. Like this wasn't well received or heralded as a great reconciliation strategy. Like this wasn't just in the entertainment trades. This was the business trades too. Who were like this? This doesn't like this business model doesn't this, this acquisition doesn't seem like a smart move.
1: Well, I'll be honest. I wasn't paying. I have no idea what the business people are saying. Um, I, and that part is difficult for me because there are certain things that they, that they did say in this call that I'm like, okay, I understand why are you doing this? Okay. I understand if you do this correctly, you know, this, this, this could be this could work out for you but um i know that their stock took a hit after an investor call but then if you look at the bigger picture of streamers almost all of the streamers that have had calls so far they're all reporting loss losses so when i hear that and i see then it, well we haven't heard what disney has said which that that's going to be the one i'm intrigued to see what they say um but if all the streamers are taking losses and even though they said all this gobbledygook and all this trash and they're doing all this other stuff. But if Warner brothers is the first one to be like, okay, we're, we're reevaluating what we're doing and we're not, the streamer is still a big important part of our plan, but it's not going to be what drives everything. And they start focusing elsewhere, not focusing elsewhere, but, uh, uh... Well, the
0: the previous it, it the, the reason is that it's a huge um you're not diverting your attention you're you're broadening your horizons and you're focusing you're putting more emphasis on the theatrical and, and that's fine that, that's a more traditional business model but it's a hard left shift from the previous regime which was focused on making HBO Max a top three streaming service in terms of subscriber numbers in terms of viewership and all the rest of the stuff and so i think that the hard left turn that they're making is part of what is causing such a, a whiplash so to speak
1: so i agree with that um but i don't think that i don't think their focus is not to be like one of the top streamers I think they very much want that because I do think at the end of the day, when all of this streaming does settles, we're not going to have as many as we have right now. And I think they would like to be the number that is still around. But um, like Paramount, they took a bath this quarter with their streaming. Uh, Netflix, we know what happened to them. That's why I'm so intrigued about what Disney's going to say, uh, with, because they're, they're streamer focused as well. But they also they also have enough vested interest that it's not like I think they can swing stuff of everyone else. I think they they can manage it the best. They can do they can probably do what Warner's is trying to do in an easier fashion and still keep Distance Plus up and running. But Warner seems to be what Warner what Warner's is telling me more than anything is that we understand streaming is important. However. Like la- the last two years, we were saying everyone was saying streaming is the future. Streaming is everything, and we're saying that it is not. And you have to be, you have to have more divested interest. And we're starting to do that now. From me, the little bit of business I, the little bit of business I know, I am- I can understand why they're doing that now. The way they've done the things. I don't agree with, but that, that's that thinking. I understand.
0: Can't be an I formation run based offense in 2022 of college football. Like you can't, you can't, you can't line everything up in the, in the, in the eye formation with a line with a fullback in the backfield and just run 85% of the time and against 12 man boxes and expect to be successful like you have to have a diversified balanced offensive approach to be successful in college football in, in this day and age you can't just be either all dominated by the pass or all dominated by the run and i think that's kind of what you're talking about like yeah. you can't their 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 business model is streaming is a part but it is just a part it is not the whole and we need to be both solid in our offensive game by releasing movies into the theaters and keeping them in there for as long as they can so they can make as much money as they can and also having the streaming service uh to supplement and uh buffet that
1: yeah that's 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 what I, I think it is. I think they I think that's their goal. They just kind so, of
0: So talk to me about the so talk to me about the 45 day window okay. because where does that play into the idea, or, or where does that play into things? Because I saw you, you make a tweet about, in reference to Top Gun Maverick mm. as being the reason why more studios might shy away from the 45 day window.
1: Right. And so May is a, a, a good test case because May had um, Doctor Strange come out and Top Gun come out. Uh, both I think as of right now they're both the most successful movies of the summer right now. But Top Gun being number one, so in the middle of July, Doctor Strange came out on Disney Plus. That effectively ends its theatrical run. Granted, you know it was it's late to running out. You can see pulling it is probably, you know how much money they're gonna make less in the theater. Not really that much, probably. But still, it at that point you're not making any money in theater because it's at home. You can watch it at home. Uh, I think when it comes to Disney+, Plus, then it goes to VOD, all that stuff. Top Gun, as of now, is still not even on VOD. It is still only in theaters. I think it made $11 million this week. Granted, it's an, it's an extraordinary case. It is like the outlier. But I think people will see that as a reason to say we don't have to rush to take it and put it straight on the streamer. We could. The 45-day window is there. If we want to put it on in 45 days, that's fine. I think what Warner's is saying is, um, uh, and I think they they're taking their cues from the model of their Batman release, which yes, it did go straight to HBO Max, but it also went it also went to video on demand as well at that same time. And they made it sounds like they made a good chuckle change from VOD too. So I I think what's going to happen, like what they're saying is they're going to evaluate how the release goes. If it looks like it has legs, leave it alone. Let it run until you think that it's going to run out. And then instead of them sticking it straight on HBO Max, they'll send it to VOD for like, you know, two weeks, a month and then put it on HBO Max. So in the grand scheme of things, it is still getting to HBO Max. Faster than it would have, because you know, in the days before the streamers, a Warner Brothers movie would still go to HBO.
0: It was a it was a hundred and twenty day window.
1: So, but for that hundred and twenty day window, after hundred twenty days, then it would go to like you know Blu Ray and video on demand, and it would still be like another three months before it showed up on HBO. With the when the streamers came, forty five days came on HBO Max. I think what they're saying now is it has 45 days. If it's something that we think has legs, we'll let it run its legs out. Then we'll put it on video on demand because they made a good chunk of money on video on demand. Now, they haven't said how long they will leave it exclusively on video on demand. I I can't imagine it being longer than like a month. And then they'll put it on HBO Max, which will put it on HBO at the same time, which we're looking at. It's still probably less than three months from the time that it's released in theaters to the time that it's on HBO Max. It's just not the forty-five days that they have been doing consistently. They're going. I think they're going to do it case by case. Elvis was popular enough that they can put it on VOD. Makes a, make a try. Actually, Elvis is the case to see how long they'll do it because uh, I think Elvis should have come on HBO Max last week with the forty-five days. And I think it's on VOD now. So we'll see how long it runs on VOD and before they put it on HBO Max. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad uh, option for them for you know, money-making prospects for them. If they know they're going to get a certain amount from video on demand, why not give it that little run on video on demand and then put it on HBO Max but not give it – not strict it on video on demand – right at 45 days. I still think we're, we're, I still think we're getting home releases overall in a shorter span. I still do think there's a focus on putting it on HBO max. It's just, a, it's just, they have this extra step of video on demand, another revenue stream that they can maximize if they just delay HBO max for a couple of weeks.
0: Indeed. Uh, I'm just going to be interested to see how that business practice works because there are certain films that um benefit from long rant, long legs in it and uh theater count expansions and there are some that some that don't they make their local their money in the first two weeks but um for every uh top gun maverick and everything everywhere all at once there's you know uh a handful of films that just make what they make in the first two weeks, and that's it. So, it, it, doing it on a test by case by case basis or a film by film basis, I think is probably the best way to go.
1: Yeah, and I think I think other studios will be right. I mean, they will be wise to do it as well. Um, like, you know, they maybe leave Doctor Strange in there for, you know, another two weeks, and then put it on Disney Plus. Whereas Lightyear was dying on the vine put it on Disney plus when you did, you did it at the 45 day mark.
0: Um, so Chad, talk to me about our good friend, Walter, Ramada, uh, because he seemed to be very publicly letting people know that he was very highly upset about the Batgirl cancellation. And he was completely out of the loop and he was not told until after the news had broken in the trades that this was going to happen. And he threatened to quit and all of the things. I mean, oh, he, and, also to, and also talk and also talked to me about the 10 year plan version five point
1: Okay. I'm I'm a, we're we're gonna stick a pin in the plan because that's that's the whole thing. As for Walter Hamada, he was within his rights to be upset. He is the current head of uh DC films. And he he being over all DC films, he was in charge of the Batgirl Project. And it's not that they canceled it. That was a problem. And I'm sure, I know, well, let me not say that. It was a problem that they canceled it. But being in that position and not being told ahead of time, that is a serious problem for someone in his position. That shows that they don't have any, it, it shows a lack of respect for you and what you do and the products that you put out. Even though Hamada's track record prior to and with DC has been pretty good. He's made the company money. So you think he would at least earn a spot at the decision making table. Even if he's overruled, he'd be there on the decision and learn the decision when it's made and not after the fact. I mean, I don't know exactly when he learned, but if he learned it like everybody else did, I would have been I would have been incensed. I would have left. And apparently it's even weirder when apparently um the two you know, Warner brother heads want him to stay on. Uh, it seems like they want him to stay on for like the long haul, but he, uh, they, and they got him to calm down enough to stay at least until black Adam has come out. But if they have that much respect for him that they want him to stay, which I'll get into why that's kind of confusing to me in just a second, but they want him to stay. But they weren't. He wasn't a part of that decision. It, it's very, it's baffling to me why why you would even think that he wouldn't be upset to not know that you're doing this to take the decision from him. Um, but the fact that they now why they want him to stay, it's weird to me. Is that even though they want him to stay, it still seems like they're looking for somebody to run. DC studios as it seems like they're going to call it when in effect he is running it now. So why would you want him to stay on a long haul if you're essentially going to put somebody above him? Um, Now I know what his skills, he's very good at managing these budgets and keeping these, these budgets in line and (laughs) making these profitable films because he doesn't overspend on budgets. I can see why that would be a useful skill set but I can't see why you would think he would want to have somebody put above him to essentially do what he's doing now and boss him around.
0: Why would Alan Horn be, uh, be joining the ranks of the Warner brothers fold and bring all that Kevin Feige magic dust to the DC uh, studios? Uh, You know, Mr. Hermada does not have any experience with the Feige dust. So as we all know, just being touched by the Feige dust Will make you Kevin Feige and give you all of his his playbook and all of his abilities to uh, to turn things around. you see?
1: If if that was the case, more people would do it. But
0: uh, I mean, I- uh, our good friend our, our good friend Alex Kurtzman tried. It was called the Dark Universe. It had a movie called The Mummy. It had a cast photo. It had studios like it. It had a whole like headquarters within the universals offices on the on the lot it had all of those things before one movie was even produced so other people have tried i i'm pretty sure somebody we, we still remember that one dude one dude got paid a whole bunch of money for an idea for a captain crunch movie like i forgot about that <laughs> yes Oh, boy, got paid a whole bunch of money for a a Captain Crunch movie idea. People are trying to model themselves after the Feige Marvel playbook because that's the most successful thing. But I got news for you. Nick Saban has had a bunch of assistants that have gone on to be head coaches. Not very many of them have national championships. As a matter of fact, I can only think of one. And that's Kirby, and Kirby only has the one. There's two. Uh, Jimbo, that's right. Jimbo won his with Jameis, I forgot. But, yeah. like, two out of what, 45, you want to say? <laughs> 45 or 50 guys that have been plucked from his staffs over the last 20 years to be head coaches in college and were the pros. And, and two have been ultimately successful enough to stay at their schools longer than five years. Yeah, Like, you know... Will Muschamp's been successful enough to be fired from two SEC schools. (laughs) I mean, like, just because you're around the dude doesn't mean you get touched with a Nick dust and you get to recreate everything he's done at Alabama and LSU. Uh, You know, it's the same way with Feige as uh, as the Tara Bennett, who uh, or Bartlett, who who wrote the book, co-wrote the book on Marvel Studios Sent out a tweet right after the the, eight, the Warner the Warner Brothers uh uh investor call, and she said exactly what you just did, that you know, being up front, up close and personal, and seeing that process play out. They were on the set for Infinity War and Endgame and all of that. Um, being up close and personal for that process and seeing how it works, she said, it, it, you know, it's a confluence of good people, good storytelling and timing and outside events um it, it it's an, a, a confluence of outside events that uh that is taking that that could that contributed to marvel studios becoming what it became and that you can try to to do it replicate it but that doesn't mean you're going to be successful i think i think ultimately her tweet was basically if all it took was having an experienced hand in a team and some sort of plan to become Marvel studios, there would be 50 of them around town.
1: That's a very, very good point. Um, I, so in the case of Warner's, I understand bringing in Alan Horn because he was there and around that. Um, but they can't, they can't expect him to come in and show them all the ways and then do exactly what, uh, what Marvel has done. That is my chief concern with their, uh, their little 10-year plan, is that I, if they're trying to do exactly what Marvel did, they're going to fail. It's as simple as that. They're going to fail. You, nobody is Marvel. Nobody can do what Marvel did. That, so... Even though you bring in Alan Horn, Alan Horn can give you advice. He can share some experience, but he's not going to be able to to tell you, like you said, the 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 fight he does. He's not going to be the sprinkle that on you. He can just give you advice and try to like guide you. But you've got to make it your own. And that's kind of been their thing. But
0: Okay, here here's the exact here's the exact tweet because i wanted to i wanted to credit tara bennett um if having a quote-unquote team and a 10-year plan was so easy there would be scores of marvel studios in hollywood the alchemy of talent circumstances inside outside pressures story-centric focus and balanced egos is so fragile and singular it is pure hubris to think otherwise and it is also assured failure
1: she's right I mean she is right. Yeah, that it's something special over there. You're not going to replicate it. Your best thing you can do is learn from it and make your own thing.
0: Um so one of the quotes from the uh from the investor call was our ambition is to bring Warner's back Warner back and produce high quality films. DC is at the top of the list for us. Uh that was Zazl Zasloff, is how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, he says he wants to adopt a similar structure to what Bob Iger and Alan Horn did at Marvel Studios, Disney, with Kevin Feige at top. Horn is now a consultant to Warner Brothers Discovery. She says this is pretty out, a pretty outlandish goal considering Marvel Studios was bought by Disney and as is with no studio restructuring after the sale. Horn was there to give notes and give advice. Good luck to all the all retro engineering that dynamic. <sighs>
1: I mean it's it's going to be tough. It it really is. But I mean that's why I don't think you do exactly what they did. But that's all going to depend on who they bring in and what they allow whoever they bring in the 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 leeway to do. If this person has a good idea of what they want to do and the people in charge empower them to do it then let's see what they do. But if they're just going to try to do a carbon copy of Marvel, it ain't going to work. It's not going to work.
0: That's uh, uh, also really nice of the uh, of the dudes who directed the Batgirl movie to be sharing photos and, and stuff from the set, but also to, to be sharing a nice little heartfelt email they received from their former boss this week.
1: I mean, who didn't know that was going to happen? They did. I mean, the... Two weeks before uh, I mean two weeks after they finished working with Marvel, this happens with their d c project, which everybody was fully aware of so of course kevin's gonna gonna reach out to them because, like I said, it's about people, and that is just a very human act of you know sending thoughts out to people that you've worked with, wishing them well, even through disappointment and you know, encourage them to do the next thing they're going to do. And you know what, if I so happen, you know, maybe I might call you a gift something in the future. Cause you know, we've worked together before this has happened. You're now available. Maybe we'll work something else out. It's about the people. And it seems like Kevin really gets that about the people, especially the one, like the creatives involved.
0: But she makes a good point about there wasn't a restructuring at Disney. at at marvel studios after um the 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 sale she makes it they make a a big point in the book that the biggest change was the health insurance policy and full member full ability to go to disney world anytime disneyland anytime they wanted like those were the two biggest changes marvel studios after the sale like um there is the there are the details about the incident that ruffalo and others have spoken about where he got very frustrated with Mr. Polmutter, <laughs> and he got very frustrated with the creative committee and went and threatened to quit and was very hastily given anything he wanted to stay. But that's about the only the only change that happened after the sale.
1: Well, uh, again, I mean, that further empowered Faggy and I arguably- mean, like
0: we've already established they're go- They're going to get rid of Hermada. we've already established they're going to get rid of armada or if they keep armada they're going to have somebody working with him or atop of him so that's going to be a restructuring and a reorganization and they're already starting to rebrand it by calling it dc studios and not dc films
1: well it was never i don't think it was ever officially dc films that was just kind of what we called it it's kind of like the dceu they never officially called it that we just kind of called it that um well we
0: all just also called it the dark universe
1: I think that came from that was like an official press release kind of thing so no that was an official one the DC stuff and i at least give dark universe this they officially did stuff DC was like now we're not going to name anything we're not going to brand anything and people just did it for them and they got stuck with it whether they liked it or not at least this time if they're actually if the studio is actually calling it DC Studios, that is a marked change from anything that's happened before. Uh, which, so I, I mean, I, I guess we could just get into the whole like plannedness of DC, and I kind of, I kind of want to do this in a vacuum of just everything else about mourners is messy and like they're good, they're bad, it's really messy, they're really idiots, but. I just want to do the D.C. thing in a vacuum just to say, is this the the plan that they laid out? Can it work? And that That's that's the whole game for me. So. So in a vacuum, it seems like what they're saying is, like you said, they they're officially it seems like they're officially calling themselves D.C. Studios. They're going to go out and get a studio head. And the edict from on top seems to be that they want to they. Have a ten year plan of what they want to do with d c films, how detailed it is, honestly, if they don't have the head the department head in the studio head in now, hopefully it's like a rough idea of what they want from ten years and let the head actually fill in the plan if that so if all those things happen in the va- vacuum, they get a studio head that has a plan that uh, can complement what they want and fill in the gaps and, and, and fill out this lavish DC Studios plan for 10 years. On paper, that all sounds good. The, the part that gives me pause and that is wanting it to be like Marvel. Like I just went into all that whole thing about if it's going to be just like Marvel or carbon copy of Marvel with the way Marvel joins their movies up and things, I think it's destined to fail. If the person comes in and they're like, OK, so you want a cohesive universe with a cohesive plan for the next 10 years. Fine. Let's do this. But we're not going to do everything like Marvel. First of all, we already still have properties that make money that would not be inside of this. So figure out what you're going to do with those. That would be like your Jokers and your the Batmans. And I think that's as simple as saying you know label those as uh dc black films they are their own separate things basically elseworlds else, they're over here and then from that going forward is okay this is the co this is the cohesive universe we have and everything we have is going to happen in that and that that is not going to be as tight fitting as marvel but it's still all within one universe and we can make things happen when we need to. And I think that would be a fine plan. Now, the, doubt, the whole thing with that is DC has this problem of we already have a kind of universe going on. What do you do with that? Uh, do you flush all of that? Or do you have these things running co- concurrently? Like Wonder Woman is still a successful series? Do you still keep that going while you make this other cohesive universe? Or do you or do you salvage this universe to make this ten-year thing? Um, I don't know if I don't know if that's possible because you're dealing with. I mean, Wonder Woman and uh, Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa—they've been in these roles for at this point six years. That would make it sixteen years for so ten years down the road. I don't know if you can hold on to them for that. So, how do you manage those things, wherein like you have? You also have uh, the Shazam series going right now as well as the Black Adam Black Adam coming out. And and they're in that universe of Wonder Woman, but they're probably not going to wind down because they're just kind of starting. So how do you handle that? That is all. That is the conundrum that whoever this DC head is, has got to figure out because DC is all disjointed. All discombobulated, but if you want one cohesive plan for ten years, your plan has to include how you deal with those ongoing, um, those ongoing movies with like Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Uh, so, I don't know. It really depends on who they're going to pick to run this and how they plan, and how much power are they given to go forward.
0: So you're basically saying. That, uh, what kind of offense is going to be run is going to be up to, to depend on what kind of head coach you hire. I
1: mean, you should be uh,
0: so. What then happens to the Colt Leaders movie? Uh, because that's a very big problem right now, and you also have Batfleck showing up on the Aquaman set, and rumors about Keaton also being on that set. And all of you just canned a Keaton cameo in Batgirl, and he, Keaton is in The Flash, and Ezra Miller just gets more and more crazy by the day. So, what do you do with that whole thing? Like, because The Flash is supposed to be the end of that thing. And now it doesn't seem like The Flash is going to be the end of that thing.
1: Well, okay. So, with the specifically with the Aquaman thing, it seems like, from everything I've, I've looked at, Keaton was in the movie, um, and the movie was supposed to come out after The Flash. So, everything we know about The Flash is say, was saying that Keaton was going to be the Batman going forward in the universe. So, it would make sense that Keaton is in Aquaman. But it was supposed to come out after The Flash. Now it's coming out before The Flash. So, um, apparently, everything
0: might come out before the flash
1: yeah uh apparently people that have seen it uh uh they some people were confused why keaton was there so i think affleck coming back for aquaman he's basically taking the place of keaton to make it make sense in the continuity of the movies releases um the, i mean the what to do with the flash is a big ass question mark now outside of this vacuum you know, you cancel Batgirl uh, because, you know, money and and or quality. And then, like, the day after you have this Vestas call, like, well, during the call, Zasloff says that Flash is going forward. He's heard all good things about it. It's going to be, you know, a great film. The day after that, you get another piece about Ezra Miller and all of his shenanigans. And it's like, how? I understand the reason is money, and that you spent a lot more money on the Flash than you did, uh, um, Batgirl. But it's it looks really bad that you're canceling that movie, when the star that's almost in every frame of this movie, is completely off his rocker.
0: Like we're we're talking Kevin Spacey, um, Kevin Spacey level stuff, uh, and accusations uh that caused him to be removed completely from color of money. Right.
1: Yeah, and this and this guy is your lead guy. But I, I don't as of right
0: now, it seems like he can't do press for it.
1: No. It seems like they're going to release this movie and not have him involved at all. And they might take advantage of the fact that they have Michael Keaton, who we don't know how he feels about Batgirl getting canceled. Maybe he's like yeah, I'll do where you could have put him in the the front facing role of on on the press tours. Maybe he's like, I don't want to deal with that. You I mean, look how you treated the movie I was in before, and now you want me to come out here to save your ass to be lead which he, of, of Which which he
0: has said, which the only thing we've heard him say lately is that he just besides the fact that he doesn't watch Marvel movies, doesn't have time for that crap. Um besides the fact that he doesn't watch comic book movies the other thing was that he said was that he came back to the role of batman to see what the fans think and you just took an opportunity for the fans to see him in that role for the first time in 30 years away from him and away from the fans so like while i'm sure he'll be compensated uh and i'm halfway surprised that no one's filed a scarlett johansson level uh lawsuit yet over all of this um you know he still very much cares about the fans seeing his work, and you just prevented the fans from seeing one of his work.
1: Yeah, um, so it it's going to be something to see how he handles it because he he would have to be the lead person for the Flash movie, and if Ezra's not doing anything, um, and yeah, that they, they may have ruined a or at least soured a. A relationship by pulling back, girl, but they're going to have to salvage it real quick if they want if they're going to continue to push out the Flash
0: now because you can't because you can't completely reshoot that movie. Not at all.
1: I mean, you could. It's going to cost you another hundred million dollars, and it's probably not going to come out next year. But uh, to that end, to, to go back in the vacuum, what that movie is supposed to do in resetting how the universe works. Um, One, that's why you can't wait another year to put it out Because that's another year down the line Whoever's coming in has to deal with stuff um, But it seemed like it was always I mean, in every regime It seemed like this was a way to Reset and jettison Some of the things you don't want to deal with
0: From the first investor call that it was announced on It has been referred to as Flashpoint From the beginning
1: Yeah, so those fans that you mentioned earlier, this is your way for to officially say to them the things that you like are not canon. And a quick aside on that, uh someone is like trying to do a documentary on uh the Justice League and all the all the stuff around it, and they reached out to Warner Brothers to get footage for Zack Snyder's Justice League and Warner Brothers responded by saying there's only one version of Justice League. It's the one that came out in theaters in 2017. So they have a they have a firm stance that they ain't dealing with that at this point. Uh, but to, to to get back on this, that movie's go that movie's going to jettison the, the Snyderverse stuff, but it's still going to keep parts like Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Of course. As it is right now <sighs> it and that 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 is the problem that they're going to have they have an in progress universe with some successful parts some very unsuccessful parts, and they kind of and it looks like they want a clean slate, but they can't have a clean slate because they have these things to work around, so how are they going to work around them uh i I don't know. If it if it were me, you know I would, in my five year plan, I would pro- like Flashpoint can happen, and then I would properly make sequels and or anything else from anything that's in this in this universe right now, and bring those things to end over the next five years, and then the following five years, start the more cohesive version of this. Uh, I, I think that's the less messy way to do it. But I don't know. I I don't know what they're going to do. Uh whoever's whoever they're picking is going to have a hell of a job navigating all this nonsense.
0: Congratulations. You just found the rebuild of the year in uh in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so uh, like e- even if you were to like phase out the current universe um, that slideshow tells you that they they want Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman active, always. And they've got a Batman a Batman active right now. Might not be in a cohesive universe, but I think that can appease them. They have a Wonder Woman f- franchise going right now. It, it's in a universe, so whatever. But they don't have anything actively with Superman, and that that seems to be something that they want to focus on. I just my my prayer is that the people up top, if they don't understand Superman, they're smart enough to know they don't and get the hell out of the way and hire somebody that does to do it the right way.
0: This is and this is your reminder that there is still supposed to be a Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Superman movie in the works at some point somewhere
1: his his was an HBO Max show and um, JJ Abrams is producing a Ta-Nehisi Coates written script Superman movie that's the last bit of Superman information we got
0: and then of course the rumors at Comic Con
1: yeah that were only rumors so you know we'll we'll see
0: All right, Chad, that'll about do it for this week's episode. But we can't let a DC conversation go without acknowledging the fact that Lady Gaga has agreed to sing and tap dance her way to being Harley Quinn in Joker 2 with a French title that I'm not even going to try and pronounce. But but let us all remember that Joker dance, dance, dance his way to an Oscar. And now Lady Gaga wants to sing, sing, sing her way to an Oscar as
1: Harley Quinn. You know, I'm 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 fine with this. She confirmed it on Twitter. That's fine. Um more of this pretentious ass world. I'll see it. And, you know, it'll probably be well constructed, and I'll probably like appreciate the artistic artistic work put into it but also hate the self-righteous up his own assness of the whole thing again like i did the last time
0: um but it also in the very act of making a joke or two and paying joaquin 20 million to come back um you are acknowledging that the previous film was not, in fact, a fever dream of a crazy man who was already in a mental institution, but in fact, that everything in that movie happened the way that it actually did.
1: Right. Ooh, You're going
0: to pay yeah. the man $20 million to make his first sequel.
1: And that's why he's going to make his first sequel.
0: All right. If you want to keep up with this podcast, you can follow it on uh, Twitter at Pod. Uh, I am one of the hosts, Brian Seawood, and my Twitter handle is at BCW at BCW Tiger Fan, not to be confused with at the Mark Sanchez. And and Chad is my (laughs) co-host. And I'm at the Mitch Theory. And our producer is at Grant L. Fletcher. We thank him for everything he does to help our podcast be promoted and also sound relatively good. Uh, So, uh, Until next time, we will talk to you later.